0: Welcome to the Biggie Rock Podcast. What's up, guys? This is the Vinny Rock Podcast, and I, today I'm joined with a special guest, my father. What's going on, Dad?
1: It's good, son. How you doing? <laughs> Carlos good. Vargas here?
0: Yeah, that's Carlos. That's Cutman Carlos Vargas, if you guys are not sure who he is. Uh, you guys can check him out. He's one of the well known Cutman right now in boxing and MMA. I mean, but you haven't done MMA in a while. No, no. MMA's kind of taking a back seat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've, uh, I'm doing a lot more boxing now. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. But before we get to that, let's uh, talk about some of the sponsors we have. The Lisa Beds, L-E-E-S-A. Lisa Beds is a bed that uh, I ordered online. It was super easy to order. It showed up to my house, and I cut open the package, and it unopened. Have you you seen these, Dad? I have. I've seen a commercial for it. Right. They open up, and then uh, you just kind of. Bed in a box. It's something like a bed in a box. Yeah, it's similar to like a bed. It's just a bed in a box, right? <laughs> and so uh, it's actually the most comfortable bed I've ever had in my life. But here's the funny story: My dad went to sit, and he goes, "Nope, not for me." <laughs> my dad likes to sleep on a very, very. Very uh a stiff bed right a hard bed a pretty much a concrete bed a concrete bed yeah so uh, I guess Lisa bed is not going to work for him but if those of you who like anything other than uh, sleeping on the floor you guys check out the Lisa bed uh, those are those are uh, an amazing bed you can check it out on the on the website if you need to if you need to find a promo code uh, it is Vinnie Rock Vinnie Rock is a promo code you'll get two hundred dollars off one of the bigger mattresses and hundred dollars off one of the smaller mattresses uh, I'll give you the fine details later. Uh, another one of responses obviously is Warfighter Tobacco. You guys check out Warfighter Tobacco. The boys at Warfighter Tobacco today, uh, this weekend, were in um, Honduras. They were they were they were traveling all over because what they were making was my blend for wow. the Rocco. I would have liked to join them on that trip and smoke a few Honduran cigars. I know. They're, well, they're they're all over the place, Dad. So. They're messing with, um, let's see, so we're kind of embedded now with Placencia, which, which is a well-known company that used to produce cigars for all these other companies, and then now they finally started making their own. Well, it's time
1: to order my Christmas
0: cigars. Then. There you go. It's time to order your Christmas cigars. Go check it out. You guys can check out uh, some Warfare Tobacco Cigars. The Rocco Blend will should be out here in the next few months. I'm excited to have that here. Uh, I'm working on the packaging and everything now. Uh, don't forget, there's also, let's see, there's so many different sponsors I'm trying to think of. Um, I don't want to forget any, but one of my favorite ones, yeah, Carnivore Club. Have you had that yet, Carnivore, Carnivore Club? It's meat in a box. I've never eaten that. Okay. They, they have some. They send it to me. Hopefully, it should be here in the next few days. I'll give you that box. But the box has all kinds of different products in it, any kind of meat you can think of. They're uh, dehydrated, most of them, and uh, they come in packages. They're a month-to-month subscription. You o- you order it, and then every month, they'll give you a new box. It's a different kind of box. Sounds convenient. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, something like that would be pretty cool if they did that in cheeseburgers no, or i to trying that. I need a subscription to tacos. That's what i would do. Ah, <laughs> that would work. <laughs> Either way. Deliver tacos, deliver
1: tacos to your door. I like yeah, that'd that. That'd be
0: great. I know. Well, they kind of give you tacos to your door. They give you meat. And so you can put the meat in tortilla <laughs> and you're happy to go. So this is Carnivore Club. You guys check them out. Uh, the promo code for them, 10% off, I believe is uh, Rocco, R-O-C-C-O. Um, I'm sure there's a few other sponsors. One I want to give a shout out to, Elvato. That's one that me and my boys are trying to get off the ground. Uh, Elvato Vato was a palmade. You can get it. Uh, on Amazon currently right now and I'll get you a few more uh, links but the palmade that I use for all my kids uh, the palmade that I use for myself when I have hair uh, it's going to be El Vato and you guys you guys see it it's going to be the next up and coming palmade. I'm trying to I'm trying to beat out Suavecitos. what I'm trying to do happen to be wearing it right now there you go can't see me but I'm wearing El Vato (laughs) also beard.com and uh, and that's another one. So it's it's kind of like multiple different companies that are all underneath one umbrella. Uh, Beer.com is going to be able to produce a lot of the Elvato for me, but as well as another company is uh, BO, uh, BOG. It's Black Ops Grooming. Black Ops Grooming is is a all veteran owned um, men's hygiene company, but it's all shave products pretty much. It's pretty much military kind of kind of uh, personalities keep your stash trimmed there keep you it go. looking good keep it looking good keep it within the they are 670-1 regulations don't shave regulation. this month either don't, this is yeah this is Movember. november this is november uh, which which dedicates? Did you know when did that come around? November got big. It's a uh, p- prostate cancer awareness. Yeah, for which, men. which is pretty crazy because that got big here in probably the next like the last like seven years. That's yeah, it's it recent. Yeah, very recent. Well, that's enough for our sponsors. Uh, I'm sure there's a few more. I'll mention them a little bit later. But right now, I just want to sit here and talk to my dad while I have him in town. Uh, my mom and father decided to show up to Salt Lake area and uh, come hang out with the family. How do you like Salt Lake so far?
1: Salt Lake is beautiful. Wow. Mountain after mountain, fresh air, high altitudes. Um, very, very nice place. I, I really enjoy my trip here. Are you
0: thinking about maybe moving here someday? I don't know. Maybe someday <laughs> have a second home here. That would be that would definitely be an idea. <laughs> That'd be cool. So my dad went with me uh, one day on set. I hurt my back pretty bad. It's one of those reoccurring injuries that I have. Um, and my back went out again. And so I, my, I called my pops if he wasn't busy to come hang out and help me out. So he helped me out on the on the on the mindset, and everybody got to meet him. And it was, what you know, it was really cool, Dad, is that I think it blew a lot of people away that my father was hanging out with me.
1: Oh, it's nothing to it, man. You know what, we get along, we're a good, good son and father team. I've got four kids and, and he just happens to be my baby
0: son and uh, and it's a love hanging out with him and he has a problem, I'm gonna go there. Yeah, no, it was really cool. And it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, it's a testament to, I think sometimes uh, I don't realize how fortunate we've been, you know, to, you know, you and mom have been married for how many years now? 42. 42 years now, you know, and um, you know, obviously never marriage ups and downs and everything all around, but I mean, 42 years my parents have been married. And so it's it's we're fortunate because these days you don't see that very often. No, so you know it's a thing you don't see too much anymore. And then not even that is is the fact that mean you can hang out like we're just we're just we're friends as much as you are my father and there's still that mutual respect between me and you. Always will be. But uh <clears throat> I guess a lot of the guys on the set that didn't have that were were I guess it was—it was nice for them to see it, you know. And it's, it's
1: a good bond. It's a—it's t- a tight bond that will never be separated. It's—it's it's fun, you know. I get to experiment with you, experience what you're doing. You get to experience what I'm doing. You go to the fight sometimes. I come to the set to see you do your work sometimes.
0: It's—it's it's a wonderful relationship. It's been crazy. So if you guys, some of you guys don't know who my father is, my father's Cutman Carlos. Uh, you can kind of Google him uh, when I say that he—he's been a cutman in boxing for over twenty something years now. He's been. Um, a firefighter. He's retired now for 32 years plus in Los Angeles City. Uh, he's also done set as a set medic for close to over 10 years now, correct? Correct. And so he's kind of running the gamut of life, doing it all. He started he grew up in the Bronx, New York. That's right?
1: correct. I was born in the Bronx, New York. 13 years old. We left the Bronx to Los Angeles, and it was a, a rude awakening. It was a really dramatic change in life. Well, you grew up in East L.A. Correct? We did the rest of my life. I raised, I raised uh, East L.A., from East L.A. It was a short time in Echo Park. And at that time, uh, at 17, I left to the Marine Corps. Yeah, got in a little bit of trouble. A little bit a of little trouble. Bit <laughs>
0: trouble. Yeah, it
1: was a, it was a, you know, you hang out with the guys in the neighborhood and you get into a little bit of trouble. And uh, I had some probation going on. And, and the probation officer was a really cool guy. Talked me into going into the Marine Corps. They had a program at the time that uh, you join the service and they take away all your probation, erase whatever you did bad. So I, I jumped on that immediately and got out of the neighborhood.
0: Well, it was one of those things another thing that's pretty interesting about you, Dad, is that you uh, you skipped a grade. I did. matter it, of fact, we came from from
1: New York to Los Angeles, and I guess the new schools in New York are just a tad bit uh, ahead of the New York schools. So when we got to Los Angeles, the, we had to test to, to get into the grade. And I was gonna go to elementary school, my brother was gonna go to junior high school, and my mother said, I'm not gonna have any of that. You're both going to junior high school. <laughs> <laughs> that, bu- that blew us away. So we, we took a test, long story short, we took a test, passed the test. Very soon, we both skipped a full grade. <laughs>
0: so that how many how many siblings did you have? How many what? Siblings. It was seven of us. There were seven of us. So Um, grandma grandma was pretty much like, I'm not taking two trips. I'm not going to five different schools.
1: (laughs) You two are going to the same school. And she made the rules. And we we took a test, passed the test, and there we go. We're both in the same school. We looked at each other in amazement and said, what did we just do?
0: Yeah, so you graduated high school around 16 years old right. 16
1: years old. I was out of school, uh, high school with a graduate, with a diploma. And running the streets, just not, running knowing, the streets at 16 not knowing years old. exactly what to do at sixteen. Yeah, years and old.
0: that's and that's funny. I try to tell people about the 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 evolution of gangs, right? Like, I mean, you, you're just a street kid, protecting your streets, hanging out with the street kids, right? And that's what you
1: got to do back then, man. You you live in the neighborhood, you're gonna you're gonna be part of the neighborhood. And what high school did you go to? Belmont High School. Belmont High School.
0: That's a well-known high school out there in the East LA area. Um, it's funny to me because I try and tell people how how gangs back in the because you know I got investigated one time in the border patrol because. Uh, somebody called them and tipped them off to saying that my father was an ex-gang member and I was <laughs> wow. and, yeah and so I had to do a lie detector test and all this stuff and uh, one of my the, the guy laughed he was like your dad was in a gang I was like dude my dad was in a gang just as much as anyone else was in a gang in the neighborhoods at the time you know what I mean it's just
1: if you ran around on a pack of five or more, you're a gang.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you were hanging around with the Echo Park boys, and that's
1: what it's, that's, it, it is. It is what it is. You live there. You got to join the club. You can hang out with the guys. It's the gang, Echo Park. But you, th- you mature from it. Exactly.
0: You, you know. But but then it, there was a, there was a pinnacle moment at that point where where gangs started going a really dark direction, right? And they, and they, you, they were they were really going bad. It's it was going bad. That's where the beginning of I mean. So way back when you were thirteen, you were in New York, and you said you've seen two two warlords fighting, right? And they were fighting with what? Back then it was
1: it was fist fights, fist fights, or maybe a, a, an antenna. They break an antenna off a car and hit each other with it. And so that time, was the worst case. And you were scenario. saying
0: belts? Belts? belts
1: they take off their belts. They wore thick belts, called the garrison belt back then, and they would hit themselves with the buckles of the belt. That, that was the extreme of it. There was you know fist fights. The two warlords would go at of two gangs, and we're up on the roof watching the whole thing, or down on the street watching
0: the whole thing. And that's, that's the kind of thing that the evolution of, of gangs back then, it was just kind of like like one of the movies we grew up in was, was a, a Bronx tale. Bronx tale. You know, very and good. so the only real gang back
1: then was the mafia. It, you know? it was the, there was certain parts of New York that was run by the mafia. The rest was just street gangs, Puerto Ricans, Italians, um, all kinds of, they're, they're very different. Just different cultures. Just five streets down the street, it's a different gang. And it's, it's either the Italians or, 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 or the Irish or whatever the neighborhood it was. That's that's the gang of that neighborhood.
0: And they used to just fight kind of like a, a an, on the we were watching The Outsiders yesterday. It's kind of like that. They would fight it's, with pi- pipes, chains, whatever they had. They call it
1: a rumble. Exactly what it was yeah. called a rumble. You'd meet somewhere and you'd hit each other with stuff, whatever you can find, and and and, and everybody go home with bumps and bruises, and that's it.
0: And that's the crazy thing. So so from there, uh, when you became around fifteen, sixteen, things started turning into more. They started actually gang banging slowly. It was it, it was, was
1: gang bang turned into everybody carrying a gun, and yeah. it
0: turned into a little more violent than just fist fights. And then you then you fast forward to Junior's era where. where where Junior's era was, that's when tagging started, started getting big. and right, then, Junior being my oldest son. Yeah, Junior, oh yes, Junior being my my, my older brother, he's uh, five years older than me. Uh, that's my, my dad's obviously the oldest son. Uh, but we grew up in the Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley area. But then from my brother's age, um, that's when tagging got big it huh? was huge tag yeah. clubs everywhere tag crews they're
1: called tag crews do you remember Chaka I do remember Chaka you remember Chaka.
0: the name Chaka he was everywhere yeah, there was a, that they was a couldn't there was, find him there was a well known tagger in LA and for for all of us growing up at the time you know you kind of looked up to these guys that were big street names you know uh, you see their, their piece or, or their or their tag or, or their bomb whatever you want to call it you'll see it all over the place and all Chaka over. was one of those guys that tagged from San Diego to San Francisco it with a, with a, it's kind of like the folktale about him do you remember that? Yeah. I well, mean, you go would, ahead. You sell it. You would find his tagging everywhere. I'm talking on a curb, on a stop sign, on a wall, and it was. And he, he was like he, a ghost. Yeah, you couldn't find him. You would never see him, but he was tagging everywhere. You'd he would wait, tag places where you think never would think would be tagged. He would tag it. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a folk. Like I said, a folk tale about this guy is that one day he was arrested for for tagging, and they brought him in the court. He you know he paid his fines, whatever the case. And on his way out, he tagged in the elevator. Supposedly. Yeah, he tagged the elevator. <laughs> That's correct. That's the true story. That's what he did. And I mean, in, in all New
1: York, you could see the subways all tagged up. And so he started yeah. work. He worked his way to the West Coast. And man,
0: tagging got huge, huge, huge. Here's a funny story about Chaka Years later, I was playing uh, softball. Remember Johnny? We were playing softball with oh, Johnny. yeah, Johnny Lopez. Johnny, yeah, Johnny took me out to to playing a team with him and we're out there in the Oxnard area and uh, as we're playing they're, they're saying hey Chaka it's Ryu Ball it's Chaka Chaka right they're throwing the name Chaka I'm like dude that's crazy there was a huge tagger back in the day named Chaka <laughs>
1: dad that was him that was him that's what I heard Yeah, you, I, I was you telling, telling you the story yeah,
0: he was a shortstop for this team. He was a good ball player. He was now working for UPS or 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 something or Turned, FedEx up, or something turned like that. his life around. Yeah, he turned his life around. Pretty wild. But it's but a know, good story because yeah. it's like a bad guy gone good, but
1: he wasn't bad, it's was just a tag or it vandalism. It's considered vandalism. And for us back then it was just
0: kind of the thing to put your name up there. Yeah, it I mean? was a cool thing for a lot of people. But most people, if you would have done it to my house, I would have really been yeah, upset because yeah, yeah, it's I mean, vandalism. Oh, I can't stand it. if I see a nice piece somewhere that's done right, I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful piece of art. But, sure. on abandoned one abandoned buildings or where. There's people that are proven now they let you do it on the side of the world which is gorgeous right and, and if you do
1: something if you tag something nice people respect it and don't tag over it right that's, exactly that's the theme to it. that's the purpose of
0: it well we did that actually in class of 99 in monroe high school uh we had a couple of taggers nice mural top. yeah they did a nice pronounce say class of 99 and they left it it's there yeah.
1: nobody, nobody writes over that
0: yeah and they painted over it, i think a couple years later but it was just it was just a nice thing to see that uh you know someone actually did the work and put some nice work on, on east art.
1: l.a they have a theory, they, they have a theory that if you if you put a mural up of the Virgen de Guadalupe. Uh, nobody will tag over that so yeah. there's certain things that you can tag or put a mural on that nobody will touch
0: well the Vigil of Guadalupe is a very important thing to the culture of, of, of the Mexicans of the East Los Angeles and the Los Mexicans Los Angeles. Is correct yeah, exactly. exactly and that's what you have on your back and that's what I got on my back correct we yeah. both have it a testament to you that's why I got it on my back it's pretty cool so the gangs they they evolved from from tagging then they started going through serious gang banging
1: it, and, was, it was a crazy time
0: you know I was, by
1: then I was a fireman already and and uh, believe me the Tigers turned into shooters and everybody was carrying a gun everybody was packing every incident we go on every gang incident we go on it was involved
0: with a shooting or bad bad stabbing well the later part of your career you did a lot of the 911 dispatching because you're bilingual and plus of, of a wrist injury and several things it just got more comfortable just to just sit there but for most people that's not the comfortable place to be for most people they don't want to sit there and get these 911 calls about kids getting hurt gang violence freaking stabbings murders no, all the worst days of, it's uh, terrible the worst day of anyone's life? What do they do? They call nine one one, and you're on the receiving end of that. For that's right. Almost over fifteen years, or somewhere around fifteen years.
1: Yeah, I had to go. There. My wrist was uh, bad, in bad and bad shape. I couldn't perform the, uh, the firefighter perform the duties anymore on the fire station. So I was I went to the communication center. Um, where well, there that you you take all the nine one one calls and, and, and process them there, um, run big fires from there, talk to the chief directly from there. So that's what we did for a while, and and receiving the nine one one calls of gang shootings and everything's frustrating that you can't put hands on a guy and stop the
0: bleeding and help him out. Well, not even that is that you can see the address to uh, the houses that, that are having problems, and you know what's close to our own house. Absolutely. So, I mean, the stress of thinking uh, maybe if I was out there or Junior was out there. Always.
1: I'd always call home after a call like that close to the house. Where are the kids? Where are the kids? Are they home? Yeah, there's a bad shooting around the corner there. It, it's it's just frustrating, yeah.
0: It's got to be tough. It's got to be tough to always hear some, the, the worst day of anyone's life and then trying to help them through it and, and knowing. like you, it, you, it's all, Essentially, the only thing you can do is push a button, send help. But over the phone, it's really hard to, to really put hands on or anything. I mean,
1: Absolutely. You could just tell them how to control bleeding but over the phone. But not, if no, if he doesn't take the instructions right, he's not going to do a good job.
0: One of my favorite stories in the 911 dispatch call that you told me about the lady who said uh, she was calling about her friend uh, and, and saying that she's not doing good. And, you know, she was a black lady and she's she's, she's nervous and she's getting loud. And she's And one of your first questions is, is she breathing? Like, yeah. Man.
1: Well, that's what happens. You got to ask her questions like that. Is She breathing? I'll check her vitals through the phone. So you ask her, Is she breathing? And her answer was, Yeah, yeah, she breathing. She got four kids. <laughs> <laughs> she misunderstood totally. I thought she thought I said breathing. I said, wow. I was I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> is she? Bre-
0: yeah, she's breeding. Like breeding. Who asked had, that question? Yeah, she's having all kinds of kids. Yeah, she's breeding. She's had four kids. Oh my goodness! Another one story I, I love is: uh, Didn't you? Did you get in a car accident one time? I yeah, driving I the chief. Driving the battalion chief. I was assigned
1: to the driving the battalion chief for five years. We're, we're responding to a, a structure fire, and sure enough, we're going through the mall. And this guy pulls out of the mall. Bam, and he got right in front of us, didn't respect the siren, and his radio must have been full blast. Anyway, we hit this guy, sideswipe, we hit him right in the side, Bam! center punched him. Um spun the car around, I uh, checked on the chief, he was okay, he says go check on the guy. I went over and checked on the guy, and he happened to be drinking a milkshake, and I didn't know it at the time, so the milkshake spilled all over his head. So as I'm walking towards him, we're right at dusk, when walking towards him, the The milkshake is dripping from his head. I'm saying, I, I I killed this guy. It must be (laughs) his blood or brains coming down. as i
0: get closer i see that it's only a milkshake coming off his face and oh man it was a tough time for that guy yeah like an in and out milkshake the thick ones where it looked like oh man what is going on It's like brain
1: matter coming off his head and all kinds of blood and as i got closer i saw that it was only a milkshake coming off his head Uh, we totaled his car we messed up his day but it was his fault totally we we got another vehicle to
0: pick us up and take us to the structure fire all was good well that's good that he was good and he was safe and everything else but Crazy, but back to like this the the evolution of gangs. So it goes from tagging to gang bang, and then it starts getting really serious when you start getting the Sureños and they you had know, involvement with Mexican mafias and all this other stuff. And it just went to a whole different thing. Oh, it's got it got really ugly in Los Angeles. I mean, then man. you also got you know your Bloods and your Crips, all those battles that are going on Crenshaw, all, all the areas that so you have your Latino gangs, you have your your, your black gangs. No, oh, it's and, all segregated yeah, and then awesome. you start having your Then you started having the introduction of uh, MS. Mara Sabatrucha. Oh, MS got crazy. They then. got crazy. Oh, my I goodness. mean, I had he a few some friends that got calls. jumped by those dudes. And oh. So if you guys don't know the background of uh, MS-13, MS is Mara Sabatrucha. Those guys originally came from El Salvador, and they started their own, like, gang because the Mexican gangs weren't, weren't accepting them into the gangs obviously they weren't black or anything else and so it was kind of this hodgepodge of gang members that were, that were able to protect themselves uh, I believe it started somewhere in the music scene and then it continued turned into what it is They it's a very very serious gang and for some reason it picked up really really big and strong
1: in the Pico Union area of yeah. Los Angeles and it just got big there. We, I mean, responding on calls all the time. of People getting their throat slashed because they, they did something wrong to the MS or, yeah. you know 18th Street and MS kind of evolved into one, and and it turned into one massive
0: gang. And and That's and thing across country now. Is, yeah, you being you being part of the 911 when we're dispatching, I mean, you're hearing all these calls from gang violence left and right, left and oh, right.
1: before I went to the communication center, we went we responded on one that it was a van that had been all shot up. We get to this van we pull up and we walk to see the driver. The driver had been slow. His throat had been slashed and his tongue had been dropped on his chest. They pulled it as
0: far as they could down on his chest. And what they call that is a Colombian necktie. Colombian
1: necktie. Exactly. Man. They call it, you must have it on something, on someone and did something wrong.
0: Yeah, Not man. Good. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. But but you know what? You know it seems like nowadays it's calmed down a lot. You know, I, th- I think what happened was a lot of territorial battles. People trying to find where their, their territory would be. A lot of... Gangs started doing the drugs, right, to to fund a lot of what their, their gang activities. Right. So the drugs got heavy. When that that's where it really started the issues. Now I just don't see it as much as, as it used to be.
1: Well, now the inner city, inner city cleaned up quite a bit of the inner city, and trying to get some of those old buildings turned them into high rent district. Echo Park, for example, has been cleaned up, and a lot of um, hippie type people have moving in. People the, hipsters. Are, the hipsters, the, the hipsters, yeah, the hipsters are taking over Los Angeles. So the gang members are being pushed out to the suburbs, to Apple, to to, to I mean, to just to uh, Palmdale and Lancaster and all the areas outskirts of Los Angeles gangsters are moving out there now for some reason and and if, uh, those areas some of those
0: areas have gotten bad I just I still don't feel like it's as bad as the times when we grew up I don't think it is I don't think it's as bad as, a, as the 90s when uh, all the really bad gangs. I remember I remember going to school and there was like Four different Latino gangs there, right? That's you know what the, I mean. You had Langdon Street, you had freaking Van Nuys gang, you had some 18th Street cats, you had yeah. some dudes that get a few busting. blocks, a
1: few blocks away, different yeah. gangs, Fru- f-
0: blocks, like blocks away. Correct, and yeah. then you know they're, they're mad dogging each other, fighting all the time you know, against each, each other. A few blocks away. Remember in my high school, down, my senior year, we had a uh, we our football team was in the playoffs. Their first game of the playoffs was against Compton, and uh, we won. And then there was a drive-by shooting, and they killed the kid. I mean that's the kind of it, it was it's just ridiculous. crazy yeah
1: there. yeah life had no meaning that like, didn't matter at all didn't matter we yeah. were doing the riots doing the riots. We we're responding to a call during the riots and and uh, uh one of the guys on the truck got shot in the neck he didn't die he was they put him on special duty
0: for the rest of his career um uh, because be, he he was he was handicapped well that was a scary moment for us because because we're sitting at home watching the riots and we saw what was going on i remember i was i believe i was at school before when it first started the trials and all of a sudden it would come out and the riots Essentially, came from the 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 verdict of the, the King. Rodney King yep. case. And if the Rodney King case is uh, Rodney King was was uh, was uh, beat pretty good, and it was caught on video uh, by four cops. Uh, I only know two of them were Rosanio Coons and Coons and something else. I don't know the other two, but either way. So when this case came out, this is police brutality is what they were claiming. This and that back and forth. By the way, I mean, from the looks of it, yeah, they look pretty heavy. Like, we were in
1: tough times in Los Angeles yeah. at that time, yeah. It was,
0: it was pretty harsh. Uh, a, lot racial was, tension. Yeah, a lot of racial tension. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and so when the verdict came out, obviously, uh, the, the city was upset. They felt that the, the law enforcement officers got away with, with this one, blah, 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 well, blah. Well,
1: let, let me say this. It's a certain area of the city was upset.
0: Yeah, a certain area of the city, yes. And so what happened was the riots, the L.A. riots in 90, what year was that? It was 94. 92 92 so it, 90, uh, 92 happened and uh it was pretty crazy man watching it on fact, TV
1: matter of fact you had a little league game that day yeah and while the verdict came out we got home and your mom said to me did you see the verdict I, I kind of heard about it he goes look look what's starting to happen there was already start stuff starting to happen in South Central I Wisconsin, remember this so we I came remember back the, to the room we were game
0: in. yeah we were in the we were in the li- living room at the time watching on the one TV that we had at the household right yep. and we we're sitting there watching it and uh you get a call while we're watching that dad you get the call. Come on in. And then you go and you answer. And this is a big thing because they can call you in from, from as an L.A. city firefighter. And they call them in. He's like, all right, I got to go. And so he gives us all a hug and leaves. And we were in tears, like terrified because we just heard a, a firefighter was shot.
1: Yeah, very, very true. And very so true. then
0: everyone was nervous about that they one. They called every
1: firefighter off-duty. They called them in. Everybody's got to come to work. let And you go. got issued a bulletproof vest? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We all got issued bulletproof vests. I still vest. have it. You know that? Yep. I, got, I drove the chief to a certain point, and then we set up a... a a substation for the communication center there and we were dispatching all our our units from there and um, we would respond on one then come back and set up the communication center again and we were were, everybody was moving you couldn't be too mobile yeah I mean you couldn't be too stationary everyone was
0: mobile moving on them go so that's in 92 what happens big in LA in 94 oh the big earthquake the earthquake oh Oh, my goodness that was huge yeah that was uh, that was very big and very traumatic for a lot of people oh that was crazy so the Northridge earthquake happened Uh, we lived just outside of Northridge at the time um, I'll tell you what, I think, I believe I was sleepwalking right before it. I was on my way to my bed. Uh, it hit when the when the earthquake hit. Um, I mean, I, I believe it's on, on record as what, a 6.8? and 7. Or 7. 7, and then it was about 4 in the morning. 4 in the morning, yeah. And so there was uh, Martin Luther King Day, wasn't it? Yes. Right, and so, uh, we weren't going to school anyways, I think. I believe it was just gonna be a holiday for all of us. By the way, um, it felt like a a vehicle hit the house. It felt like something hit the house. It's like a train hit, man. Like a train was rumbling and then all of a sudden, boom. I remember I was trying to get out of my bed and by the time I was just struggling to get out of my bed, I wanted to try and run out the house. I wasn't sure what to do. Pretty young at the time. I think I was in junior high, so I was probably around uh, 11, 12. And then um, you come in and you have mom you grab me, I jump on kind of your back or your arm. And you did, you
1: jumped on my back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had
0: my dad, had my mom on his one arm, me on his back, and he ran all the way through the house. As we're running through the house, I look to the left, I remember, and we're passing the kitchen, Dad. And we had all of our, our like wine bottles and everything on the top shelf, and I remember them slowly falling off. Everything like, came out of the cupboards. It's crazy, like it was slow motion, and none of us had socks on at the time. So we run through the house, we get outside, then he grabs my sister, and he grabs my brother. Um, the earthquake is still going at this point, and it finally stops for the first initial hit um but when you look outside it looked like man it was it was the end of the world yeah it felt there, like a bomb hit there was there was the pool itself was about two feet empty and you can see there's water all the way to the left and to the right so the water went from our neighbor's house to the neighbor's house it was shifting it was moving <laughs> but growing up in la the thing that i think is interesting that probably most people don't understand is like we grew up around around walls block walls block, man, walls. block walls. seven seven foot block walls six foot seven foot block walls, yeah depending. about six foot yeah Uh, throughout the neighborhood like I've never really seen my my neighbor's yard unless I had to jump over to get a ball that I threw over whatever the case but that morning (laughs) we looked to the left and right and you almost couldn't recognize what you were looking at
1: it was scary look all the way down the street you could see everybody's yard you could see
0: everything and it was like what is that that was a yeah that was a scary moment and then we went to the we end of getting to the front yard because my dad and my mom went to go get my sister, who was staying at a friend's house. And just the chaos that ensued. I mean, people running around screaming. Fires I re- everywhere. I remember you were going to go try and help some people. One guy's like, Help me. And you're like, What is it? And he goes, I can't find my dog. And you're like, Shut up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounded like he's like, his, somebody was trapped in the house or something. We'd run over there. And I said, Junior, let's go see what's wrong with that guy. So we go over there. And uh, he tells, I said, What's wrong with him? And he says, oh, I can't
0: find my dog. I said, Come on, man. There's some bigger things going yeah, on. There's a house on fire behind our house yeah there's you know what i mean there's there's okay we were we were probably only 10 miles away from park regency that or whatever it was called regency yes the one that um uh, collapsed onto that itself was, and that was a
1: kaiser hospital too kaiser hospital parking that just went boom yep the northridge i mean the uh, Seat cal state northridge parking lot fell down yep. um several so many, several freeways fell down several freeways a the, police officer sit, went right went, off yeah, the freeway one he of the didn't first see was not see officer. coming to work on his motorcycle he didn't see the freeway had dropped And he went way off the freeway and he died.
0: Craziest thing about, you know, that earthquake was that we had no power for about seven days. Um, You didn't know if you had clean water, so everyone was boiling their water and trying to drink that. We had a friend that was in the National Guard at the time, so we had some MREs and we had some canteen water and all kinds of stuff. He did some camping up at his house and and barbecue. We all hung out outside and just kind of. But, I mean, the aftershock continued for years. It was. I think they continued for two years. But it's probably,
1: it probably never has stopped shaking. It Probably shakes all the time, and we just don't know it because it's so little.
0: But it, California continues to move. And that place is. It's scary. They say there's a big earthquake every 20 years. Yeah, that's uh, around there. What yeah. a scary, scary idea. I always get nervous. I'm going to go to California for the weekend. It's going to be that weekend. Because I'm telling you, that, that, that earthquake has not left me, Dad. The thought of it was scary. I well, mean, I was so
1: young. It's a traumatic. It really is traumatic for a lot of people that feel, felt it for the first time. And, and I had never felt one that big myself. So that was uh, an in
0: interesting moment for us, too. Well, to understand it, Dad, like... For some reason, a lot of people didn't have gas, so we had to siphon gas a couple times to get gas into a car just enough to get to the gas station. The gas station line was about five hours. There was no one that had electricity, so the only place you could get food at the time was In and Out because they had generators. So yeah. that line was about five to six hours just to get some burgers. I mean, everything was crazy. Not even that. Like my school, half of that was school was condemned. My elementary school was completely condemned. Multiple houses in our area were condemned. Ours almost got condemned cause of a, cause, because of a because because that one that remember that big the one beam? beam in the kitchen then. one yeah. one beam it was it was a, a load-bearing beam snapped. snapped and so we had to put you know my father was a contractor at the time a framer as well before he was a firefighter he did framing and uh, and so he knew how to help that and fix that but I mean it was a lot of people don't understand the gravity of how big that was everything it, was
1: destroyed it was bad it was the city looked like a, a again like another devastation area just a war zone
0: yeah it was crazy and then we had to go to school like a month later whenever it was and we we're having actor shocks in the school there crazy. was
1: everybody was getting ready for that. Everybody wanted to run every time they felt something shake. A truck would go by and, and, and shake the house, and yeah. everybody thinks it's another earthquake.
0: And then the next big thing in L.A. area, I mean, I mean, there's so many big events that happened in our time, but uh, the O.J. Simpson. Oh, that was crazy. Remember when he was leaving on his on his uh. In the, white in the white bronco. The white I was at bronco. Was school? The big chase. Oh, that's school. We're all watching that. Everyone's trying to go find it. They want they want to go run and try and try and see if they can see it on the freeway
1: the big chase and then the big trial wow that, that cost did that, tri- that, that cost
0: the city a lot of money that lasted a long time and and still to this day what do you think dad do you think oj did it or do you think he didn't do it you
1: know i i can't say either way cuz you know he had good lawyers that proved that he was innocent and a lot of the evidence that they brought up made sense but a lot of it looked like it was
0: fabricated it's, and then the, the police yeah. officers also messed that up Oh, there's so many things in so the case. So many things that went on, so I can't say either way, but... Did you watch that O.J. Simpson show, the one recently? Where yes, they, I did. It was good. It right? was very good. I think good. It, was it was done well. It was done well. I think every person, every character looked just like uh, the person that was. I mean, from from Reno to everyone, it was just a good good show. Yeah, a couple of his
1: lawyers have passed away by now. The, the the public defender that was trying to put him away, she retired from that. There's a lot of changes came from that, and a lot of people just moved on from being a lawyer, because it's it's crazy. It's, a, it's It really is a... Uh, a tough job. If you can't uh, prove the guy guilty and when most people think that he did it, that there's, was pretty tough.
0: There's so many cases nowadays that are that are getting put like that. But uh, I don't know. Enough about L.A. LA's just been where we grew up and all the craziness that happened. I think yeah, I, I left L.A. around 2000 uh, and I went to go play baseball in Kentucky or somewhere around that time. Or 2001, I think it was. Oh, no. it's 2001 because I was actually so 9-11. 2001. 9-11 because I actually woke up. Uh, I got out of the shower. Mom said, Vinny, I think we're being attacked. And I was like, what? And so then, and for me, I had no idea what that even meant, right? And so then as I go to watch the, the, uh, the news, the second airplane hits, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Still didn't understand it, right? And still didn't understand it. And then uh, I headed to college class, uh, and then you start hearing all the rumors. And again, I just was naive to that. I was just a baseball player just trying to play baseball, you know? Yeah. You were just young. You were just you know you didn't understand what
1: was going on the the, the the capacity of it. Right. But at the same time it was it was really really tough
0: times for the, for the United States because uh, because of that attack, uh, a lot of things changed. A lot a of lot things, things changed. Well then uh, you know that was the same time frame as when I ended up just taking off to to Kentucky, uh, trying to still live the dream of baseball. And then a few a few years later, uh, two thousand three is when I joined the army. So. You know I, I I worked a
1: fight in Iowa about five years after the attack. And I was in a bar with a group of uh, country guys, guys from the country out there. And they just asked me what I do for a living, and I told them I'm a firefighter from Los Angeles. And what do you think about the 9/11 thing? Well, that that was pretty brutal. That was pretty brutal. That's a, a you know we didn't we didn't deserve that, and we're gonna you know see what we can do about making it right. And they said, well, that was a conspiracy, young man. That was a conspiracy. Least, you know, they <laughs> they they have this whole theory about it was a conspiracy. Well, there's
0: con- a lot of people. I mean, they're conspiracy about everything. There's there's a lot of conspiracy theories that you know the government did it themselves and blah 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 blah. I just, yeah. Exactly. I pers- I personally refuse to believe that, but again, I do too. It is what it is. Um. When I told you I was going to join the military, what was your what was your first thoughts? When your mom told me first, because
1: she spoke to you and you said, you're thinking about joining. And I said, is, I mean, I don't think he's thinking right. Does he even know that there's a war on? And that's yeah. the first thing I told you when I spoke to you. Son, do you, that's a good thing. Joining the service is not a bad thing. But right now, do you know that there's a war on? And you said, yes, That I know there's a war on. And that's exactly the reason I'm going to do it. I want to do my part for the country. Then you know I, I had no words for that I had no other words for that
0: except you know I, know I mean I I imagine it's hard for a father to be like yeah son go to war you know what yeah. I mean? it's, it's well, not the most comfortable feeling in the world mom was pissed mom was pissed <laughs> well my, my,
1: Mike and I we joined the Marine Corps in '73 wanting to go to Vietnam but at that point when we became when I became 17 and and enlisted they were not sending to Vietnam anymore they were all already starting to bring them bring all the boys back so we didn't we didn't get to go to Vietnam. But that's
0: the reason we signed up too. So I got it, I understood. Yeah, and the funny thing is, my uncle at the time when my dad joined, going back to the earlier story, my uncle was in a, in a school, like a military school. New in, Mexico uh, Military Institute. So when, when they told the recruiter, told my dad it was like a buddy system, my, my uncle escaped from the military school and joined with my dad. Yep. <laughs> so you guys were, were in basic training together. We are in basic training together. That was the craziest thing. That's probably the best, because my uncle knew a lot of He's an ROTC kids. Oh, so yeah, he knew how to shine boots, you know, everything about rank structure, everything. He was like the general in his ROTC class in <laughs> and, and high school. <laughs> and my dad is just a street kid trying
1: to figure out how to shine his boots. I couldn't even shine a boot, man. And he was there to help me. to so with D, I had to kick my butt a couple of times. Looks like you shined that boot with a chocolate bar.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, it was good times. Having my brother there was big time. So I think one of the coolest things is our family is like we grew up fighting. We grew up we grew up the willingness to engage. We grew up watching boxing and, and it was almost a it was almost as much of a religion in our household than anything else. I mean I grew up watching some of the biggest fights in the world. I'm talking um, Ward Gotti's. I've seen those. You know I've seen all three of them. I saw the Tyson's fights. Just seen all the freaking. I mean you can go all the way far back as Sugar as Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, right.
1: Tyson. Back in all of those
0: yeah I've seen them I, we sat there as a family I mean my mom would be washing dishes after dinner and everything my dad would be like he'd be like "Lisha, that's it come sit down and watch the fights the fights are on and so we'd sit there and watch it as a family I mean it was it was a family thing it was it's uh,
1: it's an entertainment uh, the best sport that i found found back then I still I still think it's my favorite sport besides football
0: well it's the biggest it's the it's one of the biggest ones in the Puerto Rican culture and Mexican culture that's correct and so you being Puerto Rican it's not it's not a far stretch for that to be a sport of your culture some of the
1: best things they produce Puerto Rican athletes are boxers and baseball players,
0: yes, and so you got so you got the Puerto Rican side, and then you got the Mexican side because you spent a lot of time in LA, and there's Absolutely. a lot of love for the Mexican culture as oh, well.
1: And my wife is Mexican, your there, mama, your mama you is go. Mexican. You, you, so we would always have this challenge against a Puerto Rican and a Mexican boxing match. We would always put a little a little so, fun bet.
0: Yeah. So back in the day, it was the like the biggest fighter back then uh, that when I was younger and I was uh, able to understand was Trinidad. Trinidad was the biggest Puerto Rican boxer at the time. <clears throat> Amazing fighter. <clears throat> Tito was was just an icon for the sport at the time. And then at the Mexican side, you had Oscar De La Hoya up and coming. And yep. so it was such an awesome rivalry because Oscar De La Hoya was the, one was the kind of the American kid. It was the golden boy. We yes, call so the right. golden, the boy, golden for boy for a reason. That's and right. He's a Mexican-American. Uh, he went to the Olympics. He won a gold medal. His mother was dying of cancer, I believe it was. Something like that. She wasn't bad. Yeah. And, and so all these things were just, it was connecting with my mom. It was connecting with what the, the, the LA people. And uh, and so it was hard to choose between the two. And then you have Trinidad, who was a Puerto Rican superstar, who was an amazing boxer. and uh, that, Two great boxers. And that those, that fight was one of the big ones I remember in the household. Where where it was just like, we're going back and forth, and who's going to win that one? Yeah, it was was a good challenge. It was a good bet between um, Alice and I. um, And I told
1: her, you know, uh, Tito Trinidad wins, and I'm putting a tattoo on my chest, a Puerto Rican flag on my chest. And what do you have in your chest, Dad? A Puerto Rican flag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: That's funny. Yeah, it was good Good rivalry, and it's always good rivalry between Mexican Puerto Ricans, and, and we have fun with it. Well, boxing has just been been iconic. And then so if you guys don't know how, my dad got the, his foot in the door into boxing. I mean, we spent time in the boxing. I told people like, dude, I grew up in, in the wild card gym. Yep. You had no idea. Like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that I was there, and yep. it was Freddie Roach was there. That's correct. Guys like... James, I remember James Tony talking shit to you one day. Oh yeah, he did. He talked shit to me. He talked shit to, 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 to uh, Jeremy. To Jeremy, yeah. yeah. So my dad got involved into the boxing game because my sister was dating a boxer, and she ended up getting married to him. Uh, they're no longer married at this time, but his name is Jeremy Williams. They call him Half Man, Half Amazing on his second run at, at fighting. He re- he retired, and then came back, made a comeback. I uh, made a comeback. Um, and so Jeremy and my father became real close and Jeremy was looking for uh, you know he kind of has a me- my dad was kind of a mentor for him um, and, and just someone to kind of talk to a little, quite a bit and so he asked him to like, be in his corner so Jeremy uh, my dad's like man, how do you do that so my dad started hanging out at the boxing gyms and asking some of the cup man he actually you actually had a, a meal with, um, I had, yeah, with Chuck, Chuck Bodak Chuck,
1: Chuck Bodak uh, Stitch Duran You, got, you I mean guys you've talked to oh and guys just, yeah
0: just asked him about uh, you know what, what's the what's the secret
1: yeah so some, some, you know, we we talk when you sit with the with the cut man. You say, what are the secrets of the cut man? What do you do, um, and and what are the
0: corner etiquette? Yeah, that's
1: basically what you really want to know,
0: right? And so your first uh, boxing match ever that you're a corner man for, did you were, did, did you get a chance to use your skills? Oh no, of course
1: not. He well, he fought in oh, in, in California. Jeremy was fought this, uh, this. one guy that he has fought before. So yeah. we get in the ring. They announce the fighters. I get out of the corner. I'm fixing my bucket. I'm excited. You know, I'm going to help Jeremy in the corner. And uh, the the corner the the coach is pushing and pulling on my shirt. He goes, let's go, let's go. go. What happened? He goes, he's not. The guy knocked. He knocked. Jeremy knocked him out already. The guy's out. It I was said, 38
0: what? seconds. Yeah, 38 it,
1: seconds. I didn't even get to see the knockout. 38 was,
0: seconds, my dad's fixing his bucket, thinking about the stress of what he might have to have here. He might have to stop a cut. He's got to get his bucket right. And as he looks up, the guy's already down. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to use it. I don't think Jeremy even broke a sweat. It was so funny. So that was pretty exciting for us as a family to watch Jeremy get his first win uh, back from retirement. And then uh, it continued. Uh, I think w- where your life really changed was The Contender. Through The Contender, yeah.
1: That's where it really got, it picked up my, uh, the Cutman career.
0: Yeah, so The Contender is the show that was on ESPN. Was it ESPN? It started out in NBC. NBC, and and there then you go. ESPN. And, well, then the it first, went and then ESPN. Well, the first two seasons was NBC. Yeah, and, and then it, it
1: went to a, it's a syndicated, we did the last episode, I mean the last season in uh, Singapore and it was on FX or something like that.
0: Yeah, so The Contender was a, if you guys remember, it was a show that was put on by Sylvester Stallone and um, Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard. And so it was two different teams. It was it was a bunch of fighters that are going to be given the opportunity, very similar to like what what Tough is with uh, the the Ultimate Fighter show is. Right. It's two teams. You're going to fight to to the championships, and winner gets a million dollars. Kind of concept. And so my father got the opportunity to be the cut man on there. And really, to me, the 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 day that was was the most important in your in your the beginnings of a, of a cut man career is that people were watching you do your job on one of the most. Im, Im, Important fights for this fighter's life for his million dollars. Uh Sergio Moore got cut in the first round. And uh you kept that cut controlled and he ended up winning by decision. That's correct. And winning a million dollars. And I think that was a big one for a lot of people seeing that oh Sergio Moore's cut. We'll see how it goes. And the cut just pretty much it almost looked like it wasn't even cut.
1: It put a stamp on. It. it put a stamp on my career right there. Everybody's watching that, and between Jeremy's fights when he got cut and Sergio Mora, it solidified my
0: position as a cut man. And then you just started getting all the phone calls. A lot, a lot of all phone the calls. calls
1: came in. We did four seasons of the Contender. We did Bully Big Boy Down beat on down. MTV. We did oh, we did so many things. Pro Elite with Gary Shaw. We did so many MMA you, shows came up. You that did they want Affliction. Me you
0: did the Affliction MMA. I show. did Affliction.
1: I did yeah, two Affliction shows in LA. Yeah. You were in
0: the, the corner, Dad. weren't you in the corner for it, for affliction it was a big one it was um what's the Am- name
1: Am- of Emelianenko versus um Krokov oh you were a Krokov yep you were in Krokov's corner yeah I was in his corner and then the other guy with the, had the fangs for, for oh yeah piece. that's um uh, Russian also, yeah, Andre Alaski. Alaski, I was in his corner also. Um, um the 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 big guy, that they well, the chain that was. Vin- oh yeah, Rampage. Rampage, I helped Rampage a couple of times. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went to Hawaii with Jeremy several times when he was doing MMA as well. So I did I did my shit. Then I worked on a team MMA called the IFL International Fight League. And who was your team? Um, um, all of them. They would just fly me in as a cutman and I would just work the corners.
0: And the IFL was International Fight League. International
1: Fight League and with the, a couple, of the the, the Gracies were coaches. There was all kinds of coaches. The Hensel, coach was, Hensel was, was
0: the big coach in that one. There was a lot of big coaches in there. There was also Frank Shamrock was a coach. Frank Shamrock
1: was a coach, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, that's where I met Greg Jackson. That's where a
0: lot of good fighters
1: yeah, came from. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. But then again, the UFC bought. The UFC them kind of took
0: over. Kind you, know? Of, you know, kind
1: of shut them down,
0: yeah. Well, UFC was kind of wanting to bring in the best fighters in one spot, which yeah. was, we all want.
1: And I don't think UFC wanted any competition. An MMA competition
0: shows up. Why there, would you? So good business, right? Exactly. It's they good the, business, but it's also bad business for they fighters. They had the money. They bought the,
1: the they bought the show and they shut it down. So they just yeah. kept one show. UFC,
0: crazy. And I was telling people. I was, I was telling. I was saying earlier is that I grew up going to, to some of the w- world class boxing gyms and not knowing exactly the gravity of what was happening to me at the time. I'm sitting there next to, um, you know, guys like Pacquiao, guys like uh, uh Freddie Roach, who was in there. I remember uh James Tony. I mean, some of the big heavyweights at the time. Uh, my brother's uh, my brother in law was getting uh, was sparring and just going into the training and we, we'd hang out in there. And I remember James Tony was sparring or training and uh, he got all pissed off and he yelled at everyone in there. He was talking shit to everyone. He was talking shit to Jeremy. He called you shut up, you little burrito. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I wanted to fight the dude, but I'm like, i like, God, oh, this isn't gonna go well. Oh yeah, yeah, James <laughs> Tony it's so funny James Tony if you guys don't know James Tony's is one of the guys the first guy that comp- who challenged an MMA fighter and got his ass kicked big time Randy oh, Couture yeah. right yep that's funny so you've done all this stuff with boxing what is your, what is probably your favorite fight that you were up close and personal with maybe maybe not the best corner you were in but like probably the best fight well of all the fights I've worked I, 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 I had one that particularly stays with me
1: Juan Lescano from El Paso Texas um, he he his team called me and said they want me to go to England with him and yeah. it was to fight Ricky Haddon. In Manchester, in a soccer state it was sixty five thousand people in there. Damn. That was amazing. When I was where um, when Ronnie Shields was the coach, I was in the I was the cut man with another guy in the corner. Yeah. We couldn't hear ourselves talk. Nice. Juan Lascano went the distance with, with, with Ricky with Ricky, Which Hatton. Is
0: amazing. Ricky had an amazing fight.
1: Amazing. It's, it's a great fight. Great fight. And that was one of my, that's one of the, the ones that rank way up there uh, that I've worked. And that was, and he did he lose by decision? He lost by decision, but we should have won that. It was a crazy time. You're not going to beat Ricky Hatton in his hometown in England right. unless you knock him out.
0: Right. You know, one of, one of my favorite ones watching is, is a Mayweather fight. You you were in the corner for uh, Victor Mayweather. Ortiz during the Mayweather fight. Victor and it's Ortiz and Mayweather, yeah. One of the most like controversial fights because uh, just the way it ended. It, it and, was and, and and you know Victor. Victor getting a little flustered in there and started throwing headbutts. So it was just all around just kind of a weird fight. It and was I,
1: a strange fight. Once the headbutt happened, it, it it went downhill, spiraled downhill real quick.
0: And I wish that fight had the opportunity to see what would happen, right? I, I, I would wish have it, loved that to go the distance. Yeah, because
1: it looked like he was bullying him around enough that Victor he, can fight. Victor can fight, and he had a good handle on that. Um, you know The May- May- weather Was elbowing him A little bit In the, in the eye And the ref yeah. wasn't
0: calling it So Victor got frustrated Headbutted him You know what happens to fighters though When they start focusing on The acting And other things They seem to lose A little bit of focus Or a little bit of tenacity In the ring It could be. It could be. Well, that fight, he wasn't acting in. That fight, he Um, wasn't. That was a tough fight. I think there's a lot of pressure fighting Mayweather. There was was a lot of pressure. It was a tough
1: week of uh, press conferences and and everything. So the day of the fight, Victor was ready. (laughs) Mentally, physically, he was ready for that fight. Somehow in the fight, he lost uh, focus. And with the headbutt, everything spiraled downhill. And and then he got sucker punched and, and... It was just, you know, you don't foul a guy like Mayweather and not expect something to come back.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, one of my favorite fighters now that you're in the corner with uh, is Keith Thurman. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Keith Thurman, what an exciting, exciting new fighter. The, for the welterweight, he is a beast. I'm excited to see what happens. They're talking about maybe potentially having him fight Sean Porter second. C-
1: it could be Sean Porter coming up. Um, it could be, uh, uh, He has a fight supposed to be sometime January, February, as a you know just not putting the belts on the line. A tune-up belt, a tune-up fight. Um, then they've got all kinds of things planned for him after that. There's all kinds oh, cause of. Because welter- he just
0: had elbow surgery. He did. So he's just trying to come back from that and, and make sure that everything's good before he starts taking on a challenger for the belt.
1: Right. He wants to challenge. You no. Know, Spencer's been calling him out. So that's that's Spence another one. Spencer's a good fighter. Yeah. So a good fighter. We got a lot of lot of things. A lot of, a lot of welterweights that want a piece
0: of him, and he's willing to take any of them on. Awesome. So if you if you can be in the corner of any fighter right now, right now, any fighter, who would you love to be in the corner with? Um, besides besides Keith, um, Wilder. Wow. Be honest with you. Wilder. Hey,
1: yeah. He's a he's uh he's a little bit ghetto, he's a little bit crazy, but yeah. he's very exciting. Yeah, he's um different. He's different. He can't if he, he if he would just get out of that ghetto
0: mentality, I'm telling you well, the guy and when we say that, like he's gotten into a lot of trouble off off uh outside of boxing. I mean, just he hangs around a rough crowd, the rough crowd gets into a lot of shit. Um, And it is what it is. His roots are his roots. It it is what it is. But for him to to be an icon in boxing, I think he needs to clean get, himself up clean up his act and get himself really, away from that crowd right and really start being a man a leader in boxing because he is right now right now I think he's, he's exciting to watch he's one of, the, one of the most exciting fighters he's kind of bringing a spark back to the heavyweight world absolutely but like, I, I mean we, we've, we've paid attention to boxing more than most people do dad and so we know a lot of the behind the scenes and a lot of the troubles that he's been to and, and a lot of the, the knucklehead stuff that he does I would love to see that guy become a great mentor a great um, inspirational fighter for others and young men to see he can be an American icon he can be Easy. the american
1: icon for boxing the heavyweight, heavyweight division, champion of the world
0: the heavyweight division does that the heavyweight division does it it's something about those big guys yep. and dominating it you just feel like they're just more iconic than other fighters. I don't know why.
1: Number one fighter that people remember all the time, Muhammad Ali.
0: I mean, it's just one of those things. If he was, if he was that a class act. But you know what? He's also he, he's kind of starting to be like that. Did you see how his his outfit was when he showed up? His big old fur coat and everything. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's fun an, to watch.
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely he's definitely got a, a show going on when he fights. Yeah, uh, if he could just behave himself a little bit cleaner, a little bit better off yeah. off the stage, it, it would it would probably make him a little bit better person
0: yeah it would be be great to see as a fighter and just be as the american icon as he can be hopefully he gets a chance to fight um joseph what's his name anthony joseph joseph joshua joshua Joshua. yeah anthony joshua right right Okay. Anthony
1: Joshua's is the, the champion in the UK.
0: In the UK, he just they, recently beat um, Klitschko, which actually. He, it's going to happen. And Klitschko decided to retire after that. And it wasn't for any other reason. He's just been boxing for so many years.
1: Oh, that fight's got to happen. It's going to happen yeah. down the road a little bit, and but it's going to happen. It's going to be good to go. I've worked with a fighter, Dominic Brazil. That fight might happen with
0: Wilder. I don't know that if he's lo- ready. I'd I, love to see that. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's ready, but I, I would love to see it. I just don't know if he's ready. Dante Wilder's a very, very scary fighter. He's, I, mean, I wouldn't want to stay in the ring with him myself at all. He's intimidating. He's intimidating, but. But, you know, I, but he's an orthodox.
1: I'm, I'm not sure if his boxing skills are, are
0: what they, they they show sometimes. Well that's what I'm saying. I think he's an orthodox. He right. doesn't he, he doesn't have the your typical stand there, your one, two, three punch. He 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 does he throws things from angles that he's no got one's a expecting. devastating right. Yeah. He's got a devastating if you can avoid that, keep moving. You might you might be you, you might, might be able right. to do a few rounds with him. I think uh I would love to see a triple G Canelo too.
1: Oh, that's coming too. I think that's coming too. Oscar wants it. The money's good. Of course, he
0: wants it. Oscar's yeah. turned into the Mister Money Man, right? That's exactly
1: right. The company's
0: doing good again. Yeah. They're,
1: they're probably back in the black and not in the red, so they're they're doing good. I see. they you know they work in a lot of shows. I've worked several of their sh- yeah. several of their shows
0: recently, and they're doing good. It's funny how how Oscar was real pissed about Mayweather getting that fight with uh, Conor McGregor and not. He wanted Canelo to get it. And of I was course, like, of yeah. Of course, you do. You want the money? You damn right. <laughs> Tell me that. What do you think about the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight? What'd you I think? I didn't like it at all. I you didn't, didn't like.
1: W- no, I didn't like it at all. I think uh, Conor needed to to prove himself a little bit more before he gets that kind of money fight. I think, in my opinion, as a boxing guy that's been around boxing for a long time, that Mayweather could have done that in the second round. But something he wanted to put on a show, and he wanted to, you know, entertain the people, so he took yeah. it all the way to the tenth. Um, I, I, I can see that. I, I think, can't accuse him of, of betting on himself on the tenth or anything like that because there's no proof of that. But you know, that's it. Could probably could have done that in the second round.
0: I could, I, I could probably agree with that. It seems that um, I think Conor wasn't ready for that caliber of fighter. No, not but, at all. But he also, Conor didn't think of it like that. I think Conor, he, he won what he wanted to win. He, he, he won the hearts of people that he, uh, an MMA fighter, didn't look terrible in a boxing ring. No, and he, and he also. Absolutely not. He also won the money. He he got the purse that he deserved At the for end of all the, the years day, of
1: exactly. They're you hit the nail on the head. At the end of the day, it was a business thing, and the public went for it. The public loved it, and he went home very rich. It was
0: the thing that it was it, it was for entertainment and did it entertain? Fuck That's yes. exactly yes. what it was. He, it was it, entertainment, yeah. and yeah. people paid for it, and they got rich, and then everybody goes home happy. I was entertained. I'm he, not gonna lie. I would love to see him fight a lower caliber fighter. You know, what's funny. He was sparring with the, um who did he spar with, and he knocked down. Oh, uh, uh, Malinaji. Malinaji. I would love to see him fight Malignaggi. I dude, Dad. Malinaji's no one anymore. Malinaji well, doesn't
1: have the power. Malinaji uh, is is not a powerful puncher. He doesn't
0: have the chin. So there's a chance that you can go in there against Malinaji, who's probably still considered a top twenty. I think he's
1: still good. I think you he's, but, but but not the powerful puncher. No, no, but but as a boxer, he's probably still a top
0: twenty in that weight class. I think
1: so. If he comes out of retirement and says I'm gonna do I'm, I'm gonna fight again, he'd
0: get a TV show. The thing is, Malinaji just won't pull the. the the money that anyone else will. I mean, Canelo would pull money. I don't know if he'd right. ever want to.
1: And that's, that's a lot of the fighters that, uh, that are Bob Malinagi's age. I mean, even Victor right now, Victor has to prove himself a little bit more. Victor Ortiz has to prove himself a little bit more to get that top notch HBO spot or Showtime spot again.
0: Yeah. But Victor, Victor's had, had a lot of um, bad fights that yeah. just didn't look good for Great him. Great
1: opportunities that didn't turn out good. Yeah. And yeah, things like that happen in boxing. You know, it's, it's, sometimes you're not ready. Just the other day that one of the Charlo brothers took down uh Lubin. And Lubin was supposed to be a rising star, and oh, then that's right. he got stopped in the first round. And Dude, you know, those
0: brothers are fun, though. Yeah, Lubin, Lubin
1: is good. The Charlo brothers are just incredibly good. They're fun. Those guys are. Those guys are taking taking the middleweight division to a different level. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, we're getting text right now. It's time for us to get ready to get out of here. Okay. Um, so uh, let's just close this up again. I appreciate you, pops. I appreciate you coming coming out here. Oh, it's my um, pleasure joining
1: you on this on this Veterans Day. And
0: yeah, right now currently it's Veterans Day, so I'm hanging out with with my favorite veteran. <laughs> Absolutely, and so am I. Back at you. I love it. All right, pops. Well, again, thanks for everything. Uh, we'll we'll throw you on here on the podcast again here soon. Hopefully, uh, we'll get Kazner back and we'll have some fun conversation because he's got a lot of questions for you. Right on. Right, right, okay, guys, be safe out right. there. Love you. Bye. I did it. Uh,